The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush and this is Beyond episode 607, a wonderful viewer and listener mailbag episode. Uh, I am joined this week by Brian Altano. I have the giggles. <laughs> Lucy O'Brien. I also have the giggles. And all the way from our off-site satellite studio, Max Scoville. Hey, what's up? Coming to you live from my mother's kitchen. <laughs> is that a new startup restaurant in San Francisco? Yes. It's going <laughs> to be a hit. They make all sorts of stuff like salad, <laughs> awesome. yogurt. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they'll be closed in three weeks. Um, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We're actually debuting this episode if you're listening to The Day Comes Out a day earlier than we normally do uh, because obviously the state of play is happening this Tuesday today when this episode first comes out. So there will be a lot to talk about this week. Uh, so we wanted to do first an earlier episode uh, and the... We're going to be going through a lot of viewer and listener uh, questions that you send in. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in, either at the email address beyond at IGN.com or to me on Twitter or in the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. Uh, we'll be going through a lot of questions. Before we do, a couple comments from people as well. Wanted to read those first. Uh, the first came in to our email from... Lean or Leon uh, said, this was one of the funniest shows ever. I choked on my coffee a couple of times. Just wanted to say thanks for the work you do. Uh, this was in reference to episode 606. Everyone really, really loved the Neo or Near segment that mm-hmm. we had. Uh, so just wanted to say thank you to everyone who wrote in about I love that, that my uh, Southern Hemisphere-ness can bring such joy to so many people. Yes. By the way, we confirmed Neo does start with a naked man in a jail. So... You had it. So I was right. You yeah. were correct. So we just Thank really use that opportunity everyone. to make fun of you for, for different things, which is fun. So I, I saw one person who was very cross about that. Like, Lucy should know better. She should not review games if she can't tell the difference between them. There's Games are frequently named really similar things. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like I, rem- I played the beginning of both of those games. It's just that I got them mixed up because yeah. it's near, near. Yeah. It's like a, it's a who's on first thing. But yeah, no, like yeah. We've, got, we've got two games coming out this year. There's There's... Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds. Worlds. Yep. Like, give me a break. Get a thesaurus. Games are all the same. Uh, Yeah, it's very funny. But thank you, uh, everyone who wrote in and said how much you loved that episode. We had a blast recording it, and I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Uh, From that episode, though, we did get, um, as we asked for any GameStop employees who want to write in with their experience, obviously, with the redesign and everything happening, an anonymous GameStop employee did write in to beyond at IGN.com, and I want to read their comment uh, because I really appreciated their input. Yeah, by the way, that's so great. Like, thank you for doing that. Like, you know, it's... It's surely not the most comfortable thing in the world to kind of 
throw all of that information out there and like yeah it's yes. really cool that you did that yeah mm -hmm. we super appreciate it and of course want to respect your anonymity so i will just say uh the comment that they wrote in mm -hmm. I just wanted to give my perspective surrounding the discussion in this week's episode of Beyond. I've been with the company for nearly nine years now, and I've been around for many of the ups and downs along the way. The upcoming changes to stores are exciting to me. Being a store leader that takes pride in their store's customer service, this initiative to bring back a sense of community is a smart move on the company's part. With the general public's growing disdain for GameStop over the years, it is refreshing to change focus from the products we sell to the community we build. Brian's example from the episode is the exact reason I love what I do. Casual conversations about games are my favorite part of the job, as well as sharing my passion for games with others. So they might learn to love them the way I do. The decline of GameStop has almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point, much like the fall of Toys R Us. So many people want GameStop to close, but so few people talk about the experiences that are had within brick-and-mortar stores, again, like Brian's anecdote. We need more of that and less of the tired five-cent trade-in jokes. Hopefully this insight is helpful in some way, and I'd love to elaborate further, as I said, um, and they did wonderfully. Keep up the great work, because I look forward to each episode every week. Um, so yeah, I just want to bring that in. Uh, it's amazing to have that perspective. Obviously, we don't, uh, being mm -hmm. anyone who currently does not work at GameStop. But yeah, it's definitely something that I know our audience has a very vested interest in, because a lot of people have had those good experiences. Obviously, it's very easy to be callous and say, yeah, they should close, but yeah. many people did have those great yeah, and it, it, it's also, I think that, like, we have a tendency to conflate our hatred for that store with the hatred of pretty much every retail shopping experience, right? I mean, we're, we're so conditioned to have things instantly delivered within hours at this point that I've had bad retail experiences at the grocery store, and that's the place that I'm not going to stop going to or going to buy clothes or something like that. Like, it's, it just happens everywhere. I actually went to a GameStop this morning. Um, two days before it's closing permanently, the one on Market Street in San Francisco we talked about in the last episode, to pick up my Switch Lite. And I was thinking, like, you know, like, I have been coming to the store periodically throughout the years, and I'm going to have, you know, so I will have some nostalgia for that. Um, and I was thinking of, like, putting together, like, a sappy post for <laughs> why it meant something to me. But uh, then a guy <laughs> wearing Christmas pajamas cut me in line and spent, like, 16 minutes buying a PSVR with, like, coins. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it can be a pain in the ass, There's too. There's give and take, too. Um, yeah. But had I gone in there just to, like, kind of hang out and, like, buy snacks and, like, play video games and, like, maybe if, like, they stayed open late on the night of a midnight release, not only for a launch party, but... Like if the new Smash Brothers is coming out, get everybody to sit down, um, spend, you know, charge 10 bucks or 15 bucks per head, order a bunch of pizza and, and sodas for everybody. And they can sit around playing like demo versions of the game or the last game or something like that. Like make a launch party out of it, you know, like make an actual fun thing for it. Set make up, it into an arcade? Yeah. Yeah. That, that too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Charge people to play video games and set up a retro corner where, you know, you have one of those like retrons that can plug in a thousand different systems and ship a bunch of retro games to the store. We have a, we have a bar in San Francisco called Soda Popinski's that has an NES in the corner and it's got a just big box of games that you can go in the corner and just sit down and play video games all night. And it's like, there's something really wonderful about that. And like, I'll pick up the controller and like speed run the original Mario and pass <laughs> it and someone else will play Contra or something. Like, I think like, our generation, as the older we get, we want immediate accessibility to stuff like that. And maybe some people don't want to buy a Switch or a PS4 and they just want to go and play an old video game for 10 minutes and have a good time with it. And like, I think that's a great opportunity for that. I also just want to add that like, as someone, we all work in, in, in what is now known as specialist media. And I think that uh, you saying, you know, it's a self 
fulfilling prophecy and for so many years you've heard, oh, gay and stops, like, going down the toilet and blah, 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 blah. Um, like, you know, we hear that a lot as well. Like, IGN is just trash. IGN is still around, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's um, – I, I, I just find it really uh, wonderful that uh, – I don't know that you still have uh, faith in 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 your store and in the chain and the brand because, like, that's something that we have to have as well. Uh, otherwise, we would not be here. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I just think it's really awesome that um, that this is an exciting thing. It's it's seen as an exciting thing internally, um, and I really just wish you guys the best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, somebody in the YouTube comments pointed out that, like, you know, they've worked at, I think they said they worked at GameStops in Connecticut and Virginia, and that it's not as bad as we made it sound. And that's totally true because we live in San Francisco, which is a place that is prone to lots and lots of things closing on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. I think in the last, like, two weeks, I think, like, four restaurants in our immediate vicinity that were, like, regular lunch locations just went out of business. Yep. Yeah. So was, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's easy to get apocalyptic about it. I was actually also talking and again, this is like, this happens. It, you, you, you create a scenario based on the anecdotal evidence happening directly in front of you. But I was talking to the clerk this morning and I was like, I went, to, like I said, I bought my switch light and I was like, Oh, do you have any cases for it? And she was like, we didn't get anything because we're closing in two days. So they sent us nothing, like no accessories, no no anything. But we're moving all that stock to our store in the Mission area, and we also still have our store in Jobstown, and we have two in Emeryville, and we have one over here. And this is actually one of 17 GameStops that's closing. So within like the what we consider to be called the Bay Area, uh, we're losing one, but 16 remain open. And from my optics, I'm like, their flagship store on Market Street is going away. But for the business, like it's... It's kind. It's not insane to like close one store. Yeah, it probably means the rent was too high there. Yeah, and yeah. it makes more sense to keep these other exactly. stores open, even if they're in less trafficked areas. Yeah. And they'll just put a, a juice shop there. Yeah, which is what mm -hmm. they do with everything in San Francisco. So much juice. Uh, too much juice. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for writing in with that comment. Sorry, I just need to interrupt. Yeah. Um. So a friend of mine who will remain anonymous went to this like, um, underground kind of like health thing where it's like all of these very intense health people gather and oh, like, like it's like scientists, <laughs> it's like scientists and doctors and basically they go and talk about like the future of health. And she asked one of them like what is, okay, give me some like trade secret, give me like a health secret that like no one else knows, like that, that you guys talk about on the regular. And they're like, no, we mustn't. It's secret, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, just give me one thing. Why does he have that voice? <laughs> we shunt. We shunt. Um, Heavens to Betsy. So, so she, you know, they um, oh. said, you know, give me one thing. And then this person said, don't drink juice. Wow. Apparently, it's really, really bad for you. I mean, it's got a ton of sugar. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently, it like almost like it's like it gives you nothing and just sucks you dry. Does that count for smoothies too? I didn't ask yeah, that. I, like I didn't. I don't know. Can you go back. <laughs> yeah, Can your friend go back? Your friend in the under, underground pit of doctors. <laughs> uh, well, outside of juice, we also occasionally talk about PlayStation on the show. So before we get into questions, some of which are about PlayStation, I did want to ask, as I mentioned, the third state of play was announced uh, in between episodes. Uh, this episode will go live before that episode, uh, that state of play. But of course, you can also make fun of us for all of the wrong predictions we're about to give. Uh, I wanted to ask each of you what's one thing you really hope will be shown in the state of play. We know that The Last of Us Part Two will be there in some capacity, but we don't know how much. 
But other than that, the state of play is a total mystery right now. New game reveals, no PS5, but that's it. So what is one thing, and I'll start with you, Brian, what is one thing you would like to see from the state of play? Um, I really want this, like, pie in the sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, totally insane. I want, like, a PSVR redesign. Okay. Like a, a slim Oculus Quest style PSVR redesign that they say will work with something that will bridge PlayStation 4 and 5. Won't happen. It'd but, be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, Lucy, what about you? Well, I'm just, you know, going off The Last of Us because really that is what I wanted to see. And I'm so pleased that we're actually going to get something. Um, I would like a release date. And I also would really like a great, like, I a great cinematic trailer. Like I I know that, you know, there's a media event, so I know that we're going to get into more sort of chunky, detailed gameplay stuff uh, later on. Um, But for me, I just want something that's going to like make the hairs on my arms (laughs) stand on end. Yeah, just like sets the stage of what we'll see more of. And Max, what about you? Uh, I'd like like a tease of something completely brand new we haven't heard anything about. Uh, it seems like, I don't know, it, it seems like, well, Sony wasn't at E3, we're probably not having a PSX this year, but I feel like we're probably going to get something like this at the, the, the video game awards if those happen, but like, I always love it when there's sort of like a little glimmer of like a, like a logo <laughs> reveal, and you're like, what is this? And it's yeah. something for us to totally hypothesize and guess about for the next mm-hmm. 18 months. Um, yeah. But, Yeah. Ghost of Tsushima did that, I think, back in 2017 at, like, Paris Games Week, and it was one of those, like, oh, whoa, this is what they're working on. Oh, wow. Can't wait to find out more. And then it was eight months until we did. So, yeah, it would be super nice to have something like that. Uh, I personally, every time one of these comes up, just keep saying it until it's a reality. I want a new Ratchet & Clank. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know they're not the biggest of franchises anymore, but with Insomniac being in the fold, again, uh, first party proper at Sony, we're going to get Spider-Man eventually at some point. I just love, like, Ratchet and Clank are such comfort food games for me that I just love having those every couple of years. And it, I think it's one of the franchises they seem to want to keep alive at Sony, so I would love a sequel to the 2016 remake, remaster sort of thing they did because I thought it was amazing. Uh, I just realized, yeah, it's been a year since Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, it's and been just over a year Yeah, proper. And that means we're probably not far from hearing about a sequel. Yeah, it's which will be on the PS5. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, next year is going to be, I think, crazy yeah. for us for a lot to discuss. Uh, but before we get there, have a lot of questions from you, the audience at home. Uh, again, I mentioned these are from a bunch of different platforms, but if you ever want to write in questions, comments, concerns, quibbles, whatnot, or memory card stories, uh, send those into beyond at IGN.com, and we'll read those on the show as we get them. Moving on to the first question, though, Nick wrote in and said, regular listener through the last few years, how do you manage video game burnout? This isn't meant to spark a big work-life balance conversation, but for you all playing games frequently, do you ever find yourself needing a break? And what do you do to recharge your DualShock, they said in quotes. Um, in between big game releases, especially as the late year releases start to come in full force, how do you manage that? Poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Now, that was one of the things I really loved about Control is I was definitely in like a major sort of video game doldrum. Um, And it's it's been a great year for games. I I get hit or miss, I guess. But in a pretty good year. It's it's been okay. It's been fine. But it's it's I don't know. It's 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 weird. We've also been very busy with work stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it's hard to take big, huge gaming experiences on the go for for a Sony platform these days. (laughs) But uh yeah, I don't know. Control was just like, it, it's it's so nice to have that feeling of just sitting down and engaging with a game and really having it click. And I always, I, there's always that sort of like 
imposter syndrome of like, oh, maybe I'm not a real gamer if I don't want to do the games. But it's like, no, I, I, I play games for work and it's very easy to conflate enjoying games with with being paying attention for work stuff. And, right. You know, it's it's also it's a it's not a passive experience. It's an interactive one. Uh, which requires a certain amount of energy to be put into it. And if I'm tired from other stuff, uh, you know, sometimes I just want to like lie on the couch and watch a movie and do something, you know, sedentary. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. It's, I, I think it's like you, you get screen fatigue and if you don't um, pretend you do, you know, I don't think you should stare at any screen too long. I uh, basically, you know, I have like, I have the conversation with my wife, like every fall, I'm like, it's about to get crazy. I'm going to lock in. Uh, in our apartment um, for a, a couple of weekends here and there. And, you know, like I'm still going to be a great husband. I'm still going to be a great dad, but there's going to be like some mornings where I wake up early and I'm playing video games for five hours. And there's going to be nights where I'm up till 2 a.m. sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's like the kind of thing that like I, it's it's part of who I am. It's part of, part of what I do. It doesn't get in the way of my day to day. But also like when I hit a wall or when I feel like, I've been staring at something too long. I'll switch mediums and I'll watch a bunch of horror movies or like I'll go read something or like I'll go for a run. I'll go outside. I'll, I'll go in the kitchen and cook for three hours and just sort of, you know, that's meditative for me is to kind of flip the script on exactly what I'm doing with my brain and hands for a few hours and then come back and, and try again. So um, there's also like, I, I don't, I don't force myself to finish stuff and I'm in a lucky spot. I don't really review games, but I don't force myself to finish stuff uh, that I'm not enjoying. And I think that like, there is this tendency to sort of finish all the food on your plate if you spend money on it. And, uh, you know, a lot of our audience w will go out and buy a game for 60 bucks and feel like they have to see it to the end. I mean, don't feel like you have to do that. If, if you're not enjoying it, throw it on eBay, let a friend borrow it, maybe, you know, come back to it another time. Um, it, it's, it's, it's okay to like, to go to admit that you're not in love with something and then walk away and then, then somebody else will be. Well, and on the money thing too, there are now so many really great and really robust one free game experiences. Yep. And then also games that are on sale all the time. Like yep. PlayStation, the PlayStation store runs sales every other week, practically, if not for like month long periods of time. So mm -hmm. if it's a money concern, I think, yeah, there are so many other avenues. Um, yeah. But I, I played the first two hours of Ge gears five and I was like, this is incredibly well-made, but also totally not for me. Mm. Like I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not crazy about the way that that game moves and, and, what you're doing in it for most of the part it's a lot of you know it's it's always been the same thing it's a lot of roadie running and hiding behind shelves and jumping over and shooting guys and that's great for some people for me it's what wasn't what i was looking for so i you know i moved on and you know i, I think if if you have that opportunity uh and you can recoup your money in some capacity then yeah don't don't be afraid to let go when you're not in love with something i also think also, like um you know i uh sorry max um, I also I also think you know when you have a, a, a sort of career uh, that is tied around to tied around with uh, something that you do basically after hours uh, that can, that can become quite difficult because you know for example this year I met someone amazing and we're dating now and like I just want to spend most of my like after hour time with her and doing things that we both enjoy rather than me sort of isolating myself into my bedroom in my bedroom and playing whatever. Um, and then, you know, that kind of, that births a sort of sense of guilt and like, oh, I should be playing more video games. I should be, but you know, ultimately it's like peaks and troughs, right? Like there are going to be periods of your life where it's just, you just don't have the time because your attention is being placed elsewhere, but ultimately right. you're always going to come. I mean, I always know that I'll come back to video games. I always know that that is 
a passion of mine and it's never going to go away. So sometimes you just got to go, okay, this is, this is not like, this is not how I'm spending 50% of my life right now. Right. Right. No, I appreciate that. Max. I think also, um, taking breaks is totally okay. Yeah. Uh, not just to go do other things, but just taking breaks from a particular game. Like it occurred to me, some of my favorite games I've ever played, I stopped in like, you know, I stopped dozens of hours into and just walked away. And it wasn't because they like literally Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, The Witcher Three, Grand Theft Auto Five, all phenomenal games. And still presently, Bloodborne. I jumped into that game yesterday morning. I've dipped in and out of that for ages. And it occurred to me, I do the same thing with books. Like something will come up, I'll get distracted. And like literally four years later, I'll pick the book back up and finish it. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, I think it's, there's something to be said for like, sometimes you, sometimes you have an incredible meal and there are leftovers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And speaking to what you were saying a little bit earlier about control, for me, the thing, if like I want to stick with the medium and I'm like, I want to play games, but I'm just not feeling this right now. I do think short games really do help with that. Like being able to play a game that lasts for two hours and you have that sense of feeling like you accomplished something or a 12 hour game versus a hundred hour game can really like keep that pace going yep. in a different way uh, than if you are just playing 300 hour games all the time. Uh, but Nick, thank you so much for writing in. Michael asked, do you think we will see any Sony PlayStation characters in the next batch of Smash Bros. DLC? And I know we've talked about this in the past long ago. I'm bringing this up again just now because Banjo-Kazooie is officially a thing out in the wild now. Uh, the Nintendo Xbox synergy continues, but we haven't seen Sony really play with Nintendo in that way. Do we think there's any possibility of that or is it a... I, I would really, really love that, uh, especially now knowing that Sakurai is working on the next wave of, of characters and not just ending with the current Battle Pass thing. Um, Smash Brothers is better than ever in terms of being the celebration of video games, and it feels weird that like everyone is invited to this party or everyone is at this party uh, and Sony isn't. I mean, there isn't really Master Chief. You know, Banjo-Kazooie is sort of like a weird gray area because like they started off as Nintendo characters. Um, I think they'll always be remembered as Nintendo characters, oh, yeah. uh, even though Microsoft's owned them now almost longer than uh, Nintendo was partnered with them at, at, at that point. Um, but I would love to see that happen because like we got PlayStation All-Stars and that's just like not... it's. It, was, it wasn't enough to sustain itself on its own. At the time, um, I don't think they had the stable of characters that they needed to have. They had to pull in some third-party stuff. That said, I think if they took a crack at that again and brought in you know, people like Spider-Man and stuff and <laughs> guys from The Last of Us. That, like, also, that also came out at a bad, bad time for Sony hardware. Like They weren't yeah. in the lead. Yep. If, if that game came out for PS4 now... Yeah, that'd be a different conversation. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that 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 would be probably one of the best selling games on MPD. Uh, the gameplay would need to be reworked a bit. But, sure. Um, I would really, really love that. Uh, I'm keeping the hope alive that something like that happens because I think that, like, in terms of reaching into the archives of famous characters from history, um, that's happened so many times and it's happened so many times well. But um, I think for like the last trick, like the last big surprise, the, the one that is like those, mo I, I've watched so many of those like character reveal moments where um, people are reacting. You look at people in like the Nintendo World Store. If you, if you showed someone like a PlayStation exclusive character appear in Smash Brothers, it would, that would tear apart the fabric <laughs> of video games. It would, be, it would be one of the greatest moments like in video game history. What and also, yeah, and a, and a great way to sort of celebrate all of, the, all of this stuff coming together. You mean like Joker from Persona 5? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that, that was sort of there. But like, That's the weird one, yeah, because Joker, it, it, 
that game is a PlayStation exclusive, mm-hmm. but Joker is now going to appear in a Switch game, yeah, and in, in other places. But yeah, that I like that was such a massive moment because I think that's the closest we've ever gotten to something. I mean, like Snake, right? Snake, yeah, Snake's yeah. the big one if you yeah. look if you look back. But even that's like it doesn't really feel like that's a like a PlayStation thing. Um, although a lot of his you know his levels are inspired by that, so I guess that's the you know. No pun intended. The only way to really sneak in <laughs> PlayStation right now. That pun now. was intended. Yeah, that was very intended. Uh, but I, I would love to see more. You know, I would love to see something that's like front and center PlayStation. In the, in the way that Sakurai mentioned Banjo-Kazooie being playable on Xbox at the last presentation he gave. Like, he was basically like, go play go, go play his game on Xbox. To have him be like, buy a PS4 and check out Spider-Man <laughs> would be, like, amazing. Yeah. Pun intended. What about you guys? Do you think we'll see you got me, Lucy? I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> say. I think. I think Sega's got a bunch of stuff in their stable, and they're clearly tight with Nintendo. Uh, I mean, Joker was a great example of that. I think it would be pretty cool. I, I keep saying this, but if they got the Yakuza guys on there, they've been around mm. in games for like 15 years at this point. Um, they are primarily. I mean, they are. They are distinctly video game characters. There's also that sort of wonderful. Uh, I don't know what you call it. There, there's that fish out of water thing that you have with like Snake or like, you know, Simon Belmont where you're like, this is like tough guy and they're like fighting Jigglypuff or whatever. Yep. Uh, I could also see, you know, somebody like, is is Dr. Robotnik in there at all? As like an Echo Fighter? Uh, he show, he shows up in like, a, like a trophy a, assist he's a nuisance basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be cool if he was a dedicated character. We got like King K. Rool, which is, you know, he's a Nintendo character, yep. but like Robotnik's like, he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the greats of sort of video game icons and I think the sort of the the Sega Nintendo war is definitely water under the bridge at this point. Mm-hmm. You know um, who I want to see? I want to see uh, <clears throat> Norman Reedus from Death Stranding yeah. with his uh, with his giant his giant, his giant backpack, just like slowly making his way across the stage. Yep, he like just people just like kicking the ever loving, throwing his baby at people. Yeah, <laughs> well, if like. He, if he- if he kicks too much, he gets an ingrown toenail and he has yeah. to take the shoe off and take <laughs> yeah. care of it. Uh, I mentioned Spider-Man, but he is, you know, he didn't originate in video games, and that's like the rules that Sakurai has placed. Yeah. Um, and that that's what makes it a little trickier. Kratos. Kratos. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. We'll I, I want to see him like fighting people but not tearing their heads off. Yeah. yeah. Show some restraint, Kratos. That axe just like lightly grazes <laughs> Kirby. It's it's hard to do it with the axe for sure. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, Cameron asked, uh, "Are we more likely to see Infamous or Resistance on PS5?" I put that out there more to say, "Do you think we'll see either of those franchises again?" Um, I think Infamous more than Resistance has a shot. Yeah. I uh, think Resistance is, and this isn't a, a, you know, this isn't like a drag on Resistance, but I think Resistance was of such a um, a generation specific, like it was such a generation specific series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really imagine it, especially like on PlayStation Five. I I can't really sort of visualize what that would look like because I feel like we've kind of grown past that, at least for now. That kind of like grimy, post-apocalyptic, like devastating landscape soldier. Yep. Um, I know that was a terrible description. And again, no, like I I like the Resistance series. I just don't think. I just think it was of a time and a place. Like, I think there's a lot of um, DNA still left to mine in um, Infamous. I I agree. In terms of resistance, I think it's interesting because it's like 
you know, you have like the Call of Duties and the Battlefields have sort of taken the crown in terms of first person shooters. Uh, if you want something more narrative driven, you have the Wolfenstein series. If you want something that's full on dumb but fun as hell, you have Doom. So you have, you know, the Activisions and the EAs and the Bethesdas are sort of covering all those bases. It's like Killzone. Like, it's yeah. like another series where it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Yep. Like, that's great. That was a, a time and a place. Infamous is a different story, though, because it's like I would take a singularly focused, like, awesome as hell comic book game now over almost anything else. And I mean, like the movie, the comic book movies are bigger than ever. And I think that like the reason that something like Spider-Man works is because it's focused on one character, an iconic one, albeit, but, um, and whereas something like Avengers is going to be sort of like, I, I might just stick to one or two characters. I, I would have rather just gotten like a Hulk game or an Iron Man game than like a game with all of them. And so if you give me a game where like, I don't know, like it, Delson or Cole are just like totally messing up a whole city and it's hyper focused on just their character story and their powers. Like there's something awesome there. I loved playing the last infamous game at the PS4's launch. That was a blast. Yeah. Echoing Brian here. I think that if you looked at sort of what these games are at their core, there's a gritty first person shooter where you fight aliens and there's an open world game about superheroes. Which of these seems more like culturally relevant in 2019? Right. I think yeah. infamous is definitely much more. It's also, I mean, it's, you can kind of zoom out from that universe and then pick a different spot and sort of drop the pin and be like, now it's a different city. Superheroes are still a thing. That's all you need to know. Let's get into it. You know? yeah, yeah. Them moving to second sun and then first light, the expansion showed that, you know, as big as Cole was to those first two games, it doesn't just have to be about Cole. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot left to be done with infamous. I don't know how interested sucker punch is because they seem to be a studio that is constantly moving forward franchise wise. Like they haven't dipped back to a franchise Sly Cooper for Thieves in Time was handled by Sanzaru as opposed to them. So I'm curious to see if they would maybe let go of that franchise and Sony might have someone else take it on. But yeah, I think I would love to see another Infamous at some point. Uh, moving on from that, where is that question? John asks, who do you think would be a better drinking buddy, Sully from Uncharted or Mimir from God of War? Oh, that is such a great question. That's so hard. Oh my God, yeah. that is so good. Um, okay, both would be amazing drinking buddies. Yeah. Like, let's be real. But I think that Mimir would be the best because ultimately he's a better storyteller and I feel like he would be, he would last longer. Well, do you like, I feel like Sully is a good drinker, but yes. I feel like Mamiya would last longer. I, I think they're both excellent storytellers, but to me it's a difference between someone who has 50 years of stories and someone that has like thousands. <laughs> I, I think that Mamiya would probably last longer because the, the liquor would just go through the bottom of the neck <laughs> and fall on the floor. It's like that uh, woman in Beetlejuice who smokes with the cut Yeah. That's a, that's a really weird question. Which is a better thing to drink with, a disembodied head or the man? Or a funnel. <laughs> I go with Sully. We could talk about where to buy shirts. You know? Yeah, that's, that's true. very true. Yeah. I would just worry that like Sully would be like, I got to go to the bathroom. And he would leave for two minutes. And then you would just be attacked by like 20 mobsters because it was an accidental setup. Because oh, yeah. Sully betrays him in like every game. But like, you know, he means well. Well, if he but... leaves for the bathroom and a small golden dagger starts spinning in the corner sure. of the bar for three full minutes. You, <laughs> that's when you, you know, know you're in trouble. coming up. <laughs> Um, moving on from that question, one to reach, uh, read David's question with the confirmation that Sony now owns all of Insomniac's past work. What are the odds of seeing Sunset Overdrive on PS4? Um, wanted to bring this up. I do believe there have been some recent comments recently that they are not interested in looking at Sunset Overdrive, like they're interested in looking at what Insomniac can bring from the future. Um, but one, 
would you all be interested in seeing more from Sunset Overdrive, or do you want Insomniac to focus on Spider-Man and whatever new they can think of? I don't think Sunset Overdrive did well enough to port it over. Do you think that was an issue, though, of being an Xbox One exclusive at yes. the time? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I will Hard out out say yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 But also, I, you know, with that in mind, like, if I was handling the money, I would probably say no. Sure. Mm-hmm. Max not not because I don't think Sunset Overdrive was a good game, because oh, it really was, and it was yeah. clearly overlooked. Yes. Um, one of those underrated gems. But, yeah, I just I don't think we're going to see Sunset Overdrive. Mm-mm. Max? Uh, I think that would be cool, but I think that's one of those franchises that that was, that was what, five years ago at this point? Yeah, I think yeah. So. Something like that. Like, it, it's one of those ones where if you pull it out, you're going to like, oh, some stuff about this is definitely age. Like, that was a, that felt like a sort of, like a more archaic, open world game mm-hmm. um and it's the kind of thing where if it if it's sort of a if you have to put a lot of effort into sort of into resurrecting it is it really worth it you know it is it did it bring enough new stuff to the table that it's really gonna be worth the, the effort of kind of getting people aware of it uh also anecdotally there's a netflix show premiering this next month called daybreak which totally looks like if you made a like a teen comedy about sunset overdrive oh interesting it's like apocalyptic zombie teenagers huh Maybe that's the future for Sunset Overdrive, a Netflix show, <laughs> since so many games are going that way. Uh, moving on from that, Corky asked, what's the absolute earliest Gorilla gives us a look at Horizon Zero Dawn 2? Do you think it will be a launch game for the next PlayStation? No. But I do think we'll hear about it at some point, very soon. Launch title? Uh, <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it would, it would, it would make sense, but also I don't want it to be a launch title. Does that, you, you know what I mean? Like launch titles just tend to be kind of like, not overlooked, but like it's testing out the hardware and it's like, it's you, you know, I want Horizon Zero Dawn 2 to be singing when the PlayStation 5 hardware is at its peak. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like so, I don't want to see it when it's just early and people are still figuring stuff out. I want it to be like, okay, this is going to blow my mind because mm-hmm. everyone knows what the PlayStation 5 is capable of now. Yeah. Well, that that the last game for me, uh, and I think for most people, raised the benchmark for what I thought was technically possible on the PS4. That was one of those things where it's like the first time you walked out into a big forest in that game yeah. and saw little creatures running around, and then a giant dinosaur mech, and then this the winter DLC dropped, and you're walking through the snow, and uh, Alloy's leaving tracks behind, and it, it, it was like I'd never seen anything like that in the video game before. It was stunning. Honestly, when I because I I reviewed that for IGN, and um, it was such an unknown quantity. But like, I didn't really know whether it was going to be good or bad because right. it was like Gorilla and, you know, traditionally Gorilla was Killzone and it was such a new kind of thing. And I remember playing it and and and, and it with zero expectations, <laughs> zero. And zero honestly, dawn expectations. zero dawn. <laughs> um, and honestly, I just remember thinking at like, you know, several hours and I was like, God, this game is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Wow, like yeah. fully, like, you know, it, it, when you're reviewing something, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know how I felt about that. I need to reflect and sit back. But I remember there was a moment, like maybe six hours in, where I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> this is incredible. This is like a new benchmark. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I hope, I hope it shows up halfway through the PlayStation 5 generation, which means it's a long, a long way away. Yeah. But Max? I'm with you on that. I think that it's possible we get like a tease in advance of the sort of launch of the PS5, like one of those like, coming exclusively to PlayStation 5 eventually, you know. Um, I think it's also very likely that we get, not very likely, this is a random hypothesis, I think that we get a 
uh, sort of a PS5 remaster, redux, re rejiggering of Horizon Zero Dawn on PS5, kind of mm -hmm. like we did with the Uncharted collection yeah. before we got Uncharted 4, uh, which gives which gives uh, Gorilla a chance to tinker around under the hood with a PS5 and really understand what they're working with. And also for anybody who didn't jump on the last version, it's like, oh, here it is. And that's assuming that, of course, that we're not getting full-blown backwards compatibility. But if they right. were like, hey... We've spruced it up a bit. We added more grass or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I would love that, especially if they added some more dinosaurs and stuff like that. Yeah. Not like it needed more, but... Um, but like the remastered comes with two new dinosaur classes or something would be cool. Which, uh, question for you guys, because I don't think it'll be a launch title either, but there are, at least in my mind, three like massive PS4 sequels that will be on PS5 that we need to get at some point early on in the life cycle of the PS5. Which do you think will be released first? God of War 2, Spider-Man 2, or Horizon 2? Oh man, um, my guess is Spider-Man Two. I—that's my guess as well. Yeah. I just think, and I know this is like, and I'm coming at this from like a really ignorant place, but I just think it's—it's it's a slightly easier proposition than the other two. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's going to. I mean, it's still going to be a massive undertaking because that game was huge. Yeah. But I still think that, in terms of transferring you know everything into a sequel on a place on the PlayStation 5 it's it's going to be it's more of a no-brainer slam dunk than the other two. N narratively, you have decades of source material to pull from from the next Spider-Man game. Yeah. I'm not saying they'll just, you know, drag and drop those, but I think it's a lot easier to be like, oh, you know, like Venom in is loose in blank and Peter Parker has to do blank, 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 but don't forget because blank and blank are here. Whereas God of War is like, how many times do you carry your wife's ashes to the top of the mountain like that that sequel is going to need something significant it's going to need something that is going to make Corey and the rest of his team hunker down and cry yeah <laughs> you know like it's going to have to be something that's powerful and unique and special and i think like spider-man was able to do that it had a lot of the same highs oh so much yeah there was so much heart there yeah but i think ultimately like you can you can pull off making like a campy fun 15 hour comic book game that brings in a bunch of cool dudes from marvel uh whereas like the next god of war game has to really tackle like the next phase in these people's lives. And I, I think that that's like a massive undertaking. The bar is really yeah. high. And same with Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm -hmm. I want to poke holes in a couple things you said, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree with you, first of all. But Venom is loose in blank. Uh, I think it's pretty likely that Venom is going to be loose in New York. And the key thing <laughs> is that, I mean, Spider-Man lives in New York. And it, we, I don't think they're going to do like a far from home thing where they're like, yeah. oh no, this adult man is on vacation. L lost in Paris. Uh, yeah, so like they're probably just going to take the existing New York that they made, which is incredible, and iterate on it and add more detail and add some new features to it. Um, and at the same time, it's effectively an all-ages game based on a character who everyone is familiar with. Uh, so if they're like, hey, it's Spider-Man Returns or whatever they call it, right. it's, it's a very easy sell for anybody who didn't play the first one. It's kind of, well, it's, it's an easy jumping off point. Whereas God of War 2, again, it's like, it's an M-rated series that's rooted in you know, an exist, existing lore. It's a little, little more convoluted. And again, you know, 13-year-olds can't legally play it. Or I, don't, I don't know I, if you can do two New Brian, York. one second. Yeah. Sorry, Lucy has to unfortunately leave us. Okay. I have to leave. I've got a meeting. I'm sorry. All right. We love Bye, you, Lucy. All right. Love Thank you guys. You so much for being Bye. Here. Bye. Um, Max, I don't know if you can do, I mean, like the, in, in a normal world, Peter Parker gets to do six movies in a row in, in Manhattan. But in the video game world, when the same character is in the same exact setting multiple times in a row, gamers start to be like, 
you this is you just copy and paste it. You reuse the city. I mean, like we've already flown around, uh, we've whipped around and swung around New York City. You know, we've done. I, I I know every corner of that game. I got every collectible in that game. You know, I got every trophy in that game. Are, are they going to just hide backpacks all over again? Like I feel like they're. You're you're totally right, I, but I feel like they 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 are sort of painted in a corner in a little bit because like you if you just do two of those games two or three years in a row and they both are set structurally in the exact same place without any you know outer burrows or anything like that. Like, I think there will definitely be new locations mm-hmm. in that so game. So that's but we saw that demo of the PS5 hardware that was like, look at how fast we can render Spider-Man's New York, and they're just whipping around it super fast. Right. Uh, what if they just were like, yeah, using that technology. Here are the rest of the boroughs. Yeah. yeah. Like, here's here's upstate New York. Have fun. Mm-hmm. You're going yeah. to a, me- a menia for an antiques fair or something. <laughs> <laughs> way, way less verticality, but What's still What's going on in White Plains? Let me check in. We're yeah. checking out the Westchester County Fair. <laughs> Hobgoblin is loose again. <laughs> I, like, I think it would be... It's weird, and it's a, like clear creative and game design problem that Brian and his team are probably much savvier and well-equipped to answer than we are. But um, yeah, the, I think there is a balance they're going to have to strike of giving us that world that we do know because we, uh, a lot of us do associate Spider-Man so much with New York. And when yeah. you take them out of that on a gameplay level, it is weird. But they do also have to give us some new experiences. And so, yeah, I think there will be new locations. I hope it doesn't mean a lot more indoor locations necessarily, not because they were bad in that game, but just in general, Spider-Man mm-hmm. is tougher indoors. But, yeah, I, I could very much see them also wanting to fast-track Spider-Man. It's the highest-selling superhero game of all time. It's the highest-selling, I think, PS4 exclusive. Like, it is just astronomical uh, success for them so right i think we're gonna get that very close after the ps5 launch but we'll see um moving on from that did want to wrap up um last question that i wanted to ask you both uh specifically more for max max what's in your pocket oh boy we got some real winners today do either of you want to hazard a guess at what's in my pocket uh well before we started recording we assumed you were wearing your mom's shorts so <laughs> i would love to know what's in your pocket max. <laughs> um other than the you know wallet keys the usual um a, I'm trying to figure a Goku figurine. Mm, no, not no. quite. I want to say a, you have a corn cob pipe. It's Gohan. You guys are both so close. You said corn cobs, Brian. Well, that's pretty close. It's a Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> gift card. Okay. And they sell corn there. You can make a pipe out of that food. Uh, and then they don't have a Goku figurine, but I have a small informative booklet about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh, can you read it for us? Finally, you want me to read something about yeah. Jar Jar? Yeah, please do. Anything. This is my favorite thing about Jar Jar. He has allies and enemies. <laughs> is that it? His enemies, <laughs> are, his enemies are the Tusken Raider, the Destroyer Droid, the Battle Droid, and Sebulba. That's, that's actually <laughs> wrong. His enemies are the audience. <laughs> that's true, yeah. No, it has all these stories about it. It's all his like, weird gizmos and gadgets. It says his intelligence is an 8 oh. out of 20. Uh, what? He is a bad yeah, D&D right? character. That's a weird uh, like IGN scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they give you weird little things. Anyway, uh, and then I finally have one last thing. It's quite a thrill. It might Ooh. look like an ordinary rock, but it is, in fact, a geode. Oh. Oh. I thought that was yeah. like a... A rotting fruit. I thought that was a rock lord, those like 80s toys that transform. Geodes are nature's rock lords. Kind of. Very true. Uh, well, Max, thank you for letting us know what's in your pocket on our recurring segment, What's in Max's Pocket? We should switch to the out of 20 scale. Yeah, out of 20. I like I like the idea of like you guys coming on the show and being like, I gave this game a 10. 
Out of 20. 20. Ah, get dunked on it. Yeah, so. it was a terrible game. Uh, I gave it an 18. What is that? <laughs> um, anyway, thank you both so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you, Max, for calling in. Uh, thank you to the ghost of Lucy, who is no longer with us for this episode. Show ghost of Lushima. <laughs> um, and thank you all so much to all of you who wrote in with your questions. Uh, we'll be back with plenty more PlayStation coverage very soon. Uh, but in the meantime, you can find me at JM Dornbush. You can find Lucy at Luce O'Brien. You can find Brian at Agent Bizzle. And you mm-hmm. can find Max at Max Scoville. Uh, Beyond, we're here every week, normally on Wednesdays. But uh, check out beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world for all of our episodes and of course please go to ign.com we're going to be covering the state of play we're going to be covering so many other things to come so please please stay tuned for everything we have coming thank you so much for listening for watching and as always beyond why are you making that face don't make that face Mm -hmm. (laughs) beyond beyond goodbye Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.